The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the Embassy of Japan, celebrating Japan's gift of cherry blossom trees and Japan-U.S. friendship. Little flower, big story. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, March 29th. In today's news, another federal judge rejects President Trump's efforts to sabotage Obamacare. At the 11th hour, the Supreme Court blocks the execution of a Buddhist in Texas, and Trump reverses course on the Special Olympics. But first, the big idea. Donald Trump misled lenders and potential business partners about his net worth by producing statements of financial condition that included a number of errors about his financial holdings, according to an investigation by The Post. The documents, which ran up to 20 pages in length, often omitted pertinent information about Trump's debts and exaggerated his assets. Trump's financial statement for 2011, for example, said he had 55 home lots to sell at his golf course in Southern California. He said those lots would sell for $3 million or more. But Trump had only 31 lots zoned and ready for sale at the course. He claimed credit for 24 lots and at least $72 million in future revenue he simply didn't have. He also claimed his Virginia vineyard had 2,000 acres when it really only had 1,200. He said Trump Tower had 68 stories. It has 58. Both the House Oversight Committee and investigators in New York are probing whether Trump's reliance on these documents could constitute fraud, especially if he used them to get insurance and loans. Earlier this month, the New York State Department of Financial Services subpoenaed records from Trump's longtime insurer, Aon. A person familiar with that subpoena says that a key component relates to questions about whether Trump gave Aon these documents in an effort to lower his insurance premiums. Financial and legal experts say it's unclear at this point whether Trump will face any legal consequences. They say it really depends on being able to prove whether Trump intended to mislead or whether the misstatements caused anyone to give him a financial benefit they would not have otherwise. Meanwhile, Bob Mueller's decision not to subpoena Trump for an interview remains one of the lingering questions from his investigation that everyone in Washington is talking about. The special counsel repeatedly tried to schedule an interview for a year. The president was initially inclined to do so because he thought he could deliver a convincing enough performance and put a swift end to the probe. Negotiations between Mueller and Trump's lawyers began around Thanksgiving 2017. An interview was actually scheduled for January 2018. But then John Dowd, the president's lead attorney at the time, canceled the session. He had argued internally against it because he feared Trump would probably perjure himself. A practice session with the president convinced Dowd that Trump giving an interview could put him in legal jeopardy. Over the next 12 months, Mueller tried repeatedly to reschedule the interview, to no avail. Mueller even brought up the possibility of a subpoena during a tense meeting with Trump's lawyers in March 2018. He broached the topic at his office in southwest Washington, as Trump's attorneys maintained that the president had no obligation to cooperate with investigators at all. The special counsel noted that there was an option if Trump declined to voluntarily sit down. He could be subpoenaed and forced to appear before a grand jury. Dowd erupted angrily and started using profanities. After that, Mueller changed his approach and tried to coax Trump to sit for an interview. That didn't work. Then, White House lawyer Emmett Flood wrote a memo emphasizing the broad power of the president's executive privilege. 
Notably, Flood didn't just send this memo to Mueller. He also sent it to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who was overseeing the probe. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, late last night, a federal judge appointed by George W. Bush ruled that the Trump administration's push to make health insurance plans available outside the Affordable Care Act is clearly illegal. These plans avoid the requirements of the law. Now, this is a big win for D.C. and the 11 Democratic-led states that filed the suit, though it will certainly be appealed. U.S. District Judge John Bates wrote in his 43-page ruling that the final rule is, quote, clearly an end run around the ACA. Indeed, as the president directed and the secretary of labor confirmed, the final rule was designed to avoid the most stringent requirements of the law. This blocks new rules from the Trump administration overseeing association health plans, which would have allowed small businesses to combine forces to offer less expensive plans outside the ACA that would provide far fewer health benefits and protections. This is the second significant legal defeat in as many days for Trump on health care. On Wednesday night, U.S. District Judge Jeb Boesberg blocked the administration's plans for some Medicaid recipients in Kentucky and Arkansas to be subject to work requirements in exchange for their health care. Meanwhile, Trump claimed last night that Republican senators are burning the midnight oil to craft what he called a spectacular replacement plan for Obamacare. He named John Barrazzo from Wyoming, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, and Rick Scott from Florida as the point people on the Hill. He expressed confidence that he will win in the lawsuit currently before the Fifth Circuit, which seeks to completely invalidate Obamacare. This would take away protections for people with pre-existing conditions, among other things. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell poured cold water on all of Trump's speculation that Senate Republicans are going to come up with some alternative plan. He said publicly that the onus is on Trump to come up with an alternative. He also made clear that he has no interest in spending political capital on this latest push to kill the 2010 law. He said he wants Republicans to stay focused on opposing Democrats as they propose Medicare for all plans. Number two, at the 11th hour, the Supreme Court last night stepped in to block the execution of a Texas inmate because the state had refused his request to have a Buddhist spiritual advisor with him in the death chamber. The court's decision contrasted with its actions last month when it allowed the execution of a Muslim prisoner in Alabama who was denied his request to have an imam with him at the time of his death. The court's conservatives were criticized by liberals and religious conservatives for that decision. The court said it was because the request came too late that they were able to do anything about it. Texas officials had made the same argument about Patrick Murphy that Alabama officials had made. Murphy was part of a gang of escaped inmates who killed a suburban Dallas police officer during a Christmas Eve robbery 18 years ago. But the Supreme Court's order Thursday night said Texas couldn't execute Murphy unless the state permits his Buddhist advisor or another Buddhist reverend of the state's choosing to accompany Murphy in the chamber during the execution. Justice Brett Kavanaugh, writing only for himself, said Texas' policy was clearly discriminatory. He noted that Texas allows a Christian to have an advisor present at his side when he's put to death, but inmates of other religious denominations can only have a religious advisor in the viewing room and not in the room where the execution is taking place. Interestingly, Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch said they'd be fine with that. They were the only two justices who said they would have let the execution proceed as planned. Number three. Trump said yesterday afternoon that he wants the federal government to continue funding the Special Olympics. 
an abrupt reversal from his own budget proposal that eliminated all federal support for the charity and sparked bipartisan condemnation. His statement on the South Lawn came after his education secretary, Betsy DeVos, spent three days defending the proposal, most recently at a contentious Senate hearing on Thursday morning. Trump claimed that he didn't learn his own budget, which he signed and sent to Congress, would cut the Special Olympics until he saw it on the news that morning. The cut has actually been in all three budgets that Trump has sent to Congress. Trump blamed staff and said, quote, I have overridden my people. And then in a remarkable statement late last night, DeVos said that she was actually opposed to cutting the Special Olympics budget, but that she was overruled by ideological bean counters in the White House Office of Management and Budget. Even by Washington standards, this statement was striking. During her testimony earlier in the day before the Senate Appropriations panel, DeVos didn't just defend the cuts as necessary. She said it was, quote, disgusting and shameful that Democrats would criticize her for trying to save taxpayers money. In a similar about face, Trump called later Thursday for the government to fully fund the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. This is another popular program that he proposed gutting in his most recent budget. The proposed cuts were generating lots of negative media coverage and blowback in Michigan and Ohio, two states that Trump must win to get reelected next year. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 29th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.